What's up, South Florida sports fans? Jeremy Taché here with another brand new episode of Miami Miked Up. And I got to tell you, I am very excited to share this interview with you guys. This was a, a really fun conversation. So you're here for a couple of names. First of all, it's the big one. Josh Gad. You might know him from his work in Book of Mormon. You might know him as Olaf the Snowman in Frozen or a number of different characters, including one of my favorites, uh, Bear Claw in New Girl. But that's besides the point. He was also recently in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Josh Gad is all over the place, but what you might not know is that he's from down here in South Florida and grew up a diehard South Florida sports fan. Why? Well, that's thanks in part to one of his lifelong best friends, David Lang, the executive sports producer at WPLG Local 10 here in South Florida. So these two guys and their friendship is cloaked with sports all over it, and specifically South Florida sports. So I thought this would be a cool forum to sort of explore what sports mean to the two of them, their friendship, and to get the best stories that they could share. So without further ado, David Lang and Josh Gad. And this is by far one of the most special episodes that we have had so far of Miami Miked Up for a couple of reasons. I'm very excited to have both gentlemen who are in this Zoom with me right now. First, we will start with the man who is down here right now, who works as the executive producer at WPLG Local 10. You've seen him on air a few times as well. But he is the man behind Will Manso and Clay Ferraro, making them look good. It's David Lang, the executive producer of WPLG, and our second guest, and I will say, um, in this case, maybe we're saving best for last. Got the look from David. None of you were seeing it, but the look I just got was great. Uh, Tony nominated for the Book of Mormon, the voice of your favorite snowman. Yes, I said it. Frosty, you can get out of here. It's Olaf from Frozen. And a legitimate TV and movie star across all sorts of projects, including one of my favorites recently, which is Central Park on Apple TV. I'm a huge fan of that. He's currently in Wolf Like Me on Peacock. It's Josh Gad who is joining us today. So excited to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, and thank you. Thank you for for taking the time to join. Obviously, for for those who don't know, uh, Josh is from down here in South Florida and David and Josh grew up as friends here. And so this episode is just going to be sort of speaking about South Florida sports fandom and and what that means in terms of friendship and everything that goes with it. But before uh, we do get into the sports uh, conversation, I do have to start with each of you. And Josh, I'll start with you first with the first question we always ask here on Miami Miked Up. What is something outside of work that has recently brought you joy? Something outside of work that has recently brought me joy, uh, that's a great question. Uh, We actually just went glamping, which I am not used to. I'm not what you call the kind of guy who likes to lay in a tent while it's 30 degrees outside and get a horrible night of sleep. But glamping sort of changed my life a little bit because a cabin with a toilet and a bed, perfection. and uh, and the other thing that uh, that I really like lately is uh, this new Dolphins coach that's been hired. That mm. that's that's made me uh, that's made me a little happy and optimistic. Yeah, well, I know uh, David, you were just uh, listening in on the Mike McDaniel press conference, so I know yes. that's what you were doing earlier. But this is your work, so let's get outside of sports for you for a second. What's something outside of work that has brought you joy? All right, so I hate the morning. 
I don't like waking up in the morning. Uh, when you work in television news, uh, you get home 12 o'clock. I don't go to bed till two, three o'clock, which is hard when you have little children. Uh, but this morning I had to get up early for the Mike McDaniel news conference. And I picked up my phone and I was expecting all kinds of work-related texts and stress. And the first thing I get is a text from Josh. And it is an old SNL skit called Rocket Dog with Tracy Morgan. And before I even get out of bed, the first thing I do is I watch Rocket Dog and I'm just crying tears of absolute joy. And I was like, that is how you start a day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy Morgan. And thank you, Josh. Well, this is perfect. And this just shows the type of friendship that the two of you guys have. And and that's kind of where I want to go with this is. Obviously, you guys grew up down here watching these teams together. So I'm wondering, for the two of you, is there a a sort of initial favorite sports moment from your childhoods that you can remember bonding over? Oh, yeah. Well, I want to just so so I'm on this show today and I'm the sports fan I am today because of David Lang. So Lang is the one who I, I had no interest in in sports. And Dave and I have known each other since we were about four years old. And Dave pushed me into, um, I think it was football first. And I started off by becoming a Giants fan because Dave was a Giants fan. So I just globbed onto him and, you know, the Langs would take me to hurricane games. And so my first experiences of like live football were going to the Orange Bowl. And I remember Dave, us watching uh, Notre Dame and the Canes playing and and me falling in love with the sport. And then similarly, we went, I don't know if you remember this or not, but we went to one of the first preseason heat games ever. Oh, and totally. again, like... I didn't follow basketball. I wasn't a big basketball fan. And this was in the early 80s. And and Ronnie Cycli was like our star player. And we played. That's DJ Ronnie Cycli. That's right. And we played. Do you remember this? We played the Maccabees. Of course, the Maccabees. We played the Maccabees. No way. Yeah, we played the Maccabees. And I. That was a mismatch. (laughs) Yeah, it was a big mismatch. And I remember just falling in love. And then. I started to realize, wait, I have a football team in South Florida. Why don't I start watching Dolphin games? And this was while Dan Marino was playing and Don Shula was coaching. Um, And the game that I remember becoming a lifelong diehard fan was that infamous game um, uh, against the Cowboys and Dolphins on Thanksgiving. It was <laughs> in 93, I want to say. And yeah. it was the, famous, the infamous Leon Lett uh, <sighs> game. And so that was the moment that I was all in on the Dolphins. And as much as I loved watching Lawrence Taylor every weekend and growing up, you know, being a fan of the Giants through Dave, uh, my my love for the Dolphins replaced that pretty quickly. And I've never looked back. Well, it's amazing to be able to kind of find your way in. And I am I feel like I'm sort of experiencing like split personality right now because for me, I was I was these two things. I was a, a huge sports fan because of my dad, but then I was also a little kid doing musical theater and things of, of the sort. And so I was the one pushing all of my friends into sports. And so I'm loving hearing this conversation. And David, I'm sure that, that your experience 
was equally fun to watch your friend here now become passionate about the things that you were already passionate about. So he had an older brother who tried. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> I have like a visual of his of his house growing up and I could still see the Pete Rose poster on his brother Jeff's wall when you first walked in. So I know his brother tried and his brother was a Jets fan. So I think part of what he fell in love with was, was there was kind of the rivalry between right. the Jets and the Dolphins. And he really enjoyed talking trash with his brother. Um, my, I had a very unique sports childhood. Um, my mom was the academic coordinator for the University of Miami from 1983 to 1989. So she was getting her doctorate at University of Miami. My dad was doing his residency at UM. And so I grew up, like literally grew up around the Miami Hurricanes football program. Like Russell Maryland came to my house and ate my matzah. Like wow. Randall Hill used to babysit me. So <laughs> I had crazy. a very exceptional childhood relative to sports. When I was three years old, I would go up to the players and be like, you know, you only had 87 yards rushing. I really feel like you could have had 120. If you would have like, I was, wow. I was a sportscaster before I was like, could walk. That's what I grew up with. And then my dad was also a super passionate sports fan. And uh, he's from New York. So he's a Yankees guy. He's a Giants guy. Um, you know, the heat didn't even exist when we were born. They came to be in, in 88. But, and Josh, Josh will understand this. Josh and I have a unique ability and, and maybe he'll remember this. I remember almost every person that I go to a game with. So mm. if I go to a game with someone, I have like a, like a rain man, like recollection of who I saw a game with and where. Okay. Josh can do that with movies. If you see a movie, Josh will say, we saw that at the Florida four, you ate Twizzlers. We sat in the fourth row. Danny Copeland spilled milk on, on the seat. Like he will remember every single detail of the movies. So like, I remember the game, the Leon led game he was talking about. I was with my parents in the keys. My grandfather, who was a Polish immigrant, never watched a game of professional football in his life, happened to watch that game. Get out. And I'm like, this is not a normal football game. <laughs> so I remember my grand, I remember watching that with my family and my grandfather watching the game. But um, I, my, what, I think my favorite game that I went to with Josh was in 2000, uh, the last Dolphins playoff win. We went to that game together and Jay Fiedler was the quarterback. And I yep. guarantee you, Josh remembers what we were chanting outside the stadium. If you're hungry, eat Fiedler. <laughs> I remember that. I also, but I also, I thought you were going to say, we also had another random experience and, and, it was really interesting growing up when we did in South Florida because we were there for basically the height of, you know, Marino Shula football. Right. We were there for the dawn of basketball in Miami and the birth of baseball in Fort Lauderdale. And right. so like now Miami. And so being there to see those things was was really incredible. But I have a memory of us in college we couldn't afford good tickets to uh to see uh the marlins so yeah. we got these awful tickets in the nosebleeds like and literally the 500 level and they only had 400 levels yes. That's and, how bad these and, seats and we were like one of i want to say like five thousand fans in the stadium sure and our we friend seth gable was with us at the time we, yeah seth gable was with us and we randomly ran into this uh older gentleman and he goes, uh, you guys, why are you guys sitting up here? And we told him. And he goes, follow me. And he takes us to the owner's box. And we're like, this is amazing. Thank you. And that guy was John Henry, who, uh, 
who used to own the Dolphin, uh, used to own the Marlins, I think, right after Heisinga. Right. Nicest guy. And I'll never forget that. It was like one of those memories of just being like, wow, there are some good owners in <laughs> in pro uh, pro sports. Do you remember the name of the third base coach who we heckled the entire game? Oh. Rusty Koontz. Oh. <laughs> That's right. I got a story that maybe Joshua wants to edit it or not. I'm not sure, but it's funny. Uh, one of the last heat games that we went to, and we wanted to meet Eric Spolstra after the game. Okay. So now we're not sitting in the 500 level. Now we're getting a chance to meet Eric Spolstra. Right. So I say to Josh, I say, Josh, I have something that you must say to Spo when you meet him. He's like, okay, what do you got? I said, I want you to say to him, and I'm not kidding. Do you want to build a Spo man? <laughs> and he said, I'm not going to say that. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I don't know. And I got said, me. Josh, I want you to look at Eric Spolstra and I want you to say, do you want to build a Spo man? Still the and dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like, I'm an idiot. So Josh is going to take a picture with Eric Spolstra and I'm holding his phone. And I said, I will not take this picture until you say it. And with no enthusiasm, Josh says, my idiot friend would like me to say, do you want to build a Spo man? And the cringe on Eric Spolstra's face, combined with Josh's just being so, so mortified at me, brought me, you want to talk about joy? That was another moment of joy because it was such a bad joke. And he had to deliver it because I had his camera with all his vital information. I just think that it's it's so clear. I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm sitting here having this conversation with you guys and just the spitballing back and forth on all of these memories and right, that's what sports is about. Like to be able to have these experiences that's and in the same right. way that that's also like what theater is about and it's what movies and TV shows are about is like the bonding moments of remembering watching these things and you know for that matter like myself and my fiance right now we our favorite thing is re-watching shows together because we have these really specific connections to these things and right. it's the same way that you want to tune into every single Heat game or Panthers game or Marlins game because hey there's a chance that we have that special memory that's about to yep. happen and it's funny because when the NBA finals are always on local 10 it right. means that we have a pregame show and a postgame show. So it's a very busy time for me. But when the bubble finals happened and it was the heat, we have a group of friends and every game for at least a quarter of the game, we were on FaceTime watching the oh. game together and talking trash and sharing memories. It was pretty and, magical. And, we, yeah, yeah we, and we, it brought us together in a way that was like amazing. Well, and during the pandemic individually, like that bubble finals was something – I had the same thing, right? Like I'm also someone who grew up down here. And, and what I was going to say before, ironically, is because of the year I was born, um, which I will not say, but I was 11 years old the first time the Heat won a championship. And I was in high school when the big three was happening. And so as a result, my fandom is obviously sort of switched from you guys in terms of which teams to be passionate about because in 2000, I was five years old. So the last playoff game... I don't even really have that much of a connection to. But when you talk about the heat and you talk about those moments, that bubble run was everything we're just talking about in terms of what sports can provide. Because I think so many of us down here felt so connected to one another, despite the fact that it was the one time we couldn't actually oh, yeah. be and, together. And, and by the way, like I, I can remember going back to the 97 Marlins World Series mm. and I... I went to a bunch of those games and, and, you know, we forget now, but 
some of those games were the most remarkable games I think in baseball history. That team in 97 was also just like that was such an extraordinary run and the chips were once again stacked against us and it was the, it was us versus the Indians, right? Yes. And it was it was it was so exciting to be in South Florida watching those games live. I didn't get to do it in 2003 because I was in college, but sure. it was it's like those memories and and you know there's I think it's what makes us so David excluded because he's a lifelong Giants fan, but it makes it so hard to be a Dolphins fan because there will always be you know a primary team that South Florida fans support just because of the history of the franchise. Right. And that's Miami Dolphins. And it's tough year after year to sort of feel like we're on the precipice of something, but then get stuck in neutral. Mm. And I think that's why the fans just, you know, and sports beat writers are at this inflection point where it's like we want to believe that things are going to be different, but it just feels like the same mm -hmm. we get excited about you know a new coach who without coaching experience or without head coaching experience right. we go through this carousel my hope is that at some point in my children's lifetimes they'll be <laughs> able to see the miami dolphins win because it's like they're like why aren't we chargers fans right. like, it's yeah a, right it's a good question <laughs> are you going to the super bowl by the way i know this is off topic are are you going, going to the super bowl? i have a i have a an invitation to the super bowl but i don't know if i'm going to go of course. So let me I've tell been, let, let me let me just say this. I've been Why to a Super Bowl. Why would I go to the Super Bowl? <laughs> I've been to a Super Bowl. I'm going to say something controversial. I actually prefer watching Super Bowls on TV than I do live. Live is it's not as fun for some reason. Like, I, I had you, a blast. I, I now I have to tell you live Super Bowl story because this is the this is my favorite live Super Bring Bowl story it. in the history yeah, of live Super Bowl stories. Okay, so the year that Prince sang Purple Rain. The way we had our arrangement at Channel 10 was my boss was going to go to the first half. I was going to drive my car, arrive at halftime, pull up at the stadium. He was going to take my car back to the station, and I was going to go into the field. So it took them a really long time to set up the stage for Purple Rain. So I was credentialed for the field for when Prince does Purple Rain. So they're setting up the stage. It's raining. I look to my right. It's Billy Joel who had sung no. the national anthem. I love Billy Joel. So I look at Billy Joel and I said, Josh, I'm dropping names everywhere. But I look at Billy Joel and I said, I said, excuse me, uh, Mr. Joel, I just want to say your national anthem was great. And he goes, thank you. And then he elbows me and he goes, you know, I write some of my own music too. <laughs> I said, really? I should check that out. And then Prince did Purple Rain and I was like 100 yards in front of it. I remember that. was that. the greatest I thing I'd happens. ever seen. Yes. So that was worth being at. I was, seeing, I was at the game. I was at the game where um, Seattle infamously yes. lost on the goal line mm -hmm. um, and threw that interception. And being a diehard hater of all <laughs> things Patriots. Right. That was so tough to watch live. <laughs> um, but I was so I, I would, like, if it were the Dolphins set? in the Super Bowl, I would I would go anywhere. Like I would right. literally travel anywhere to go see it. So 2003, uh, the famous Jeff Conine throws out uh, the San Francisco Giant at the plate to Clint. I was in the upper deck. I'm I'm underneath the tunnel. 
Okay, I'm a, I'm an associate producer, so my job mm. is to run onto the field when the game is over and get sound. Right. Two other producers were standing next to a monitor, so they could see what's happening. I see nothing. I'm standing right next to a photographer. We're lined up right near a security guard, and we're waiting. And I hear a big groan. Oh, I'm like, oh no, what happened? And then I hear a roar. Yes. And again, I have no idea what happened. The two producers come barreling towards me. Get Pudge, get Pudge, get mm. Pudge. So we run onto the field and I'm running towards Pudge, having no context for what happened. <laughs> and I'm next to Pudge and Pudge is holding the baseball and he's praying to it. I love you, baseball. And he's like talking to the ball. And I don't know why this ball has significance. <laughs> or uh, So I'm just like, how does he feel? I don't know what it is, but how does it feel? And he's holding the ball up to his dead relatives and he's kissing. And I oh don't know gosh. what occurred. So on the field, helping interview Pudge. And I didn't see the play, didn't know what happened. And, and that was my, uh, that was my, that's my favorite Marlins, covering the Marlins moment. No context. I feel like we're doing a really <laughs> wonderful job, though, here of just sort of sprinkling in every single great moment in South Florida sports history here. Like we're just sort we of did. peppering By the through. Way, we've had we've had a couple, even the Panthers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I remember the yeah. Panthers going to the finals and, and mm -hmm. how exciting that was for for, you know, our town. My son loves the Panthers. That's my, what I was about my, to say. My four year old loves the Panthers. My four year old sleeps with a Panther every night. He named it Teddy, but but he knows his real name is Stanley C. Panther, <laughs> and like we're taking him to a game later this month. He loves the Panthers. Well, it's so. it's it's a cool time also now to, not even just right now, but right when I was born, it led me to Heat fandom was inevitable because of the timing of when you guys are born. Dolphins fandom was inevitable. Right now. Kid, young kids Panthers fandom is sort of inevitable yeah, because this yeah, core looks true. like it's going to be together for a really long time it's unreal this this Panthers core is unreal and it is it's exciting and and you know Tampa Bay has always sort of dominated the the Florida conversation when it when it's come to um hockey but but I, I love this team I'm still debating who I like more Barkov or Huberto like I'm literally like I don't know if I want to commit to a jersey. I, I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm 40 years old now. I probably. I, I'm not going to wear that many jerseys. But I'm like debating. <laughs> well, hockey like, jersey's who, good I, though. Routinely ask myself who's my favorite player, Barkov or Huberto, and I'm like, yeah, I kind of like Huberto, but Barkov is the star. And I'm, well, I'm it's very, funny. Like, I, I just had. I just spoke with Steve Goldstein and asked him, who, who's the best player on the team? Because Jonathan Huberto is probably going to win the MVP. But Alexander Barkov's probably their best player. And when you have a team like that, I mean, the greatest comparison we can make down here is to the big three era. Like, we haven't Ed had this type Serenin. of stardom. Etu Losarinen yeah, is the best player. The best player. Etu, sure. I, actually, Etu Losarinen is a very hard name to say. So whenever I give Will Manso highlights, if Etu Losarinen ever scores, I always put it in the highlights. But oh, just, I only put it in because it's a hard name to say, no matter what. I, like, I, if I'm showing one play, even if it's not the game, I'm putting Etu Losarinen in because I – he, it's it's his nightmare, and it gives me great joy to uh, try, I <laughs> try love to that. trip him up a little. Bit. I love that, but that's the same stuff I used to do with with Steve Shapiro at Channel Seven. I used to try to mess with him by by making the most complicated highlights possible, just to sort of test him at the end. Yeah, you know, Josh, I'm I'm intrigued here by by obviously you have this passion for sports, and I wonder. Did watching sports and admiring those sort of on the greatest stage 
of what sports could be. Did that have any sort of influence on on your passion for performing? Or are you able to sort of relate to what it is that these guys are going through when they're performing in that way? Oh, specifically, I was, I was actually saying this last night. So I've been watching the Olympics and and sort of love this time of the year when, when there's Olympic Games going on. And... I was talking to a buddy of mine and and I was talking about, you know, just watching um uh what's his name who who won gold last night in uh in men's figure skating. And just talking about the pressure cooker of having to perform on the biggest stage possible and knowing the possibilities or the consequences it should you succeed or fail yep right like what happened with Watkins for instance and and when when I said that to my friend he looked at me and he goes well it's really no difference in going out on stage every night isn't yep. it and and we're opening a movie it's it, it's that same relationship with with an audience you know and and expectations every night that I went out on stage for Book of Mormon right it was always, you know, how how is how am I going to, you know, not fall under the pressure of expectations and and the weight of, you know, everybody coming in with um with their own sort of like, all right, prove prove to me that this is, you know, as good as everyone says it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and while it's obviously a very different skill set, uh, that that. That level of competitiveness or whatever you want to call it is something that that is uh, pretty strong and, and something that I think has definitely um, attributed to, to my success. You know, it's 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 that it's that idea of wanting to be as good as I can be at this sport called entertainment. OK, so when we used to do uh, speech and debate, Josh and I would travel together in high school. We do speech and Josh, I used to room with Josh. And I'm not going to say Josh would say you have to sleep on the floor because I have two finals tomorrow and, and I need my space. I'm not going to say he said that. But what, what really stands out to me about Josh is he <laughs> once did The Wizard of Oz, right? And at the top of The Wizard of Oz, there's a clucking chicken. It was one of his characters. Three o'clock in the morning, Josh is standing in front of a mirror watching how he does his clock like the 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 amount of grind that goes Mm. in like i understand a lot of people think that josh is a star because god gave him a lot of talent and that's true he is super talented but the grind that this person has like the inherent desire to make people happy through his talent is something that he has cultivated since he was four years old Mm. and it's something that if you hang out with him You'll notice it in 10 seconds. Like one of the things that I love about my friendship with Josh, and he's one of the only people in the world who knows this about me, is I am so competitive. I try to like bottle it in, but I am so, and <laughs> me and him, me and him are so competitive. So if one of us makes a joke, then it's on. If I say something that's funny, he's going to beat me. And it's going, mm. if, it's, if it's the last thing, if there's a thousand people in a room and 999 laugh, he will find that person. And he will either kill them or he will make them laugh. And that's 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 <laughs> what separates him from like a normal performer. He's got he's and that's why he's so good live too. It's that elite level of focus and competition that I think yeah. uh, so many take for granted in terms of live performing too. Like I think to me that's the thing that always 
attracted me to theater and and being able to to watch theater in particular because this idea of like you mentioned Josh every night going out and going all right how do I prove this audience right and it's like the old there's an old um story that I've heard about Michael Jordan which was every single time that he went to go play any given regular season game this guy who had won six championships he's playing for the Wizards at this point and it's there's going to be at least one person who's here tonight who's never seen Michael Jordan play in person and I'm going to show them why Michael Jordan is the greatest player who's ever played the game of basketball that's the motivation every single night and I imagine for a performer it's similar and like just feeling it the reason I do broadcast journalism the reason I do sports broadcasting is high school pitcher high school musical theater how can I combine these passions of performing and sports oh there it is that's the way to be able to get into it and I think that that sports and and it's all just entertainment right and so ultimately, the people who are able to craft their ability to entertain in the best way, whether that's through a specific competition like sports or on stage by nailing a role, I, I just think it's really impressive and, and really fun. But Josh, I told you he was a nice kid, didn't I? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> I told you he was a sweet kid. <laughs> Thanks. Well, all right. So I'm going to let you guys go just after this. I do want to have you guys do this. I, I set up basically from from a couple of different eras and look, I'm I'm. Because I'm 26 years old, I'm setting it up a little bit differently than maybe maybe you guys would have. You could you could tell me that there are some other this or that that you would have taken, but I'm going to have you guys pick favorite players from specific eras of specific teams here. I'm going to put them up against each other, right? right? So we know everybody loves Dwayne Wade, but if you had to pick LeBron or Bosh, who's your guy? I mean, I love Bosh, but I I, I have to give credit where credit is due. I'm not one of those guys who's like, you know, screw LeBron for leaving Miami. It's 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 just the opposite. Thank you, LeBron, for coming to Miami and giving us two titles in four years. I mean, I that was just such an extraordinary run and, and something I will never forget. David? Yeah, I'll take I'll take Shane Battier. Hey, so all right. No, no, I, I, no, honestly, um as an interview, I'll take Bosch because I think he's one of the most interesting, thoughtful human beings that I've ever had the chance to talk to. And mm. I'm super glad that I had the chance to interview him various times. Uh, but LeBron is, is top one or two greatest basketball player in the history of mankind. And yep. we were, I, 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 I went on a date with my wife to a playoff game and LeBron was warming up and my wife was like standing there staring at him. I'm like, move, you're going to distract him. Like get, like get out of the way. And she's like, you think I'm going to distract LeBron? <laughs> like, you think he's never had someone look at him? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's probably a good point. So I, I, LeBron's. Just because you, you mentioned your wife, my LeBron story there is uh, the very first time that I told my then girlfriend, now fiance, that I love her was right after a heat game. And it was just so casual. And I was looking at my phone and her response was, are you saying that to me or LeBron? The, now, we're you now engaged. I told, mind you. I told my wife that I loved her for the first time after Duke won the 2010 national championship game. It just puts you in a good and mood, it man. The, it was the champagne talking, but it was accurate. But that's literally <laughs> it, why I did it. Exactly. All right. Uh, moving, moving to Dolphins during this era. Ronnie or Ricky? Which was your guy? Ooh. Um, you know, <laughs> I love, I love Ronnie Brown. I thought he was great. 
there was something just so fun about the insanity of Ricky Williams that I I remember loving in it. It's also like it was back at at the time that we didn't really have star players coming to Miami very often, so it was really exciting. It it like rejuvenated us and yeah. provided. A, a weird electricity, even though most of that electricity was being um, consumed in the form of <laughs> yeah. in the form of some sort of electronic joint. But I, <laughs> I, I love I loved both of those players. But Ricky was the one that excited me. David, I love Ricky Williams. I, mm-hmm. I think Ricky Williams is one of the most interesting, misunderstood athletes that we've had down here. I, he has a quote that I tell my daughter all the time. Someone once asked Ricky Williams, do you think you, do you think you're successful because you work hard or you have talent? And Ricky said, the ability to work hard is a talent. Mm. I've never forgotten that. I've told that to my daughter about homework. The ability to work hard is a talent. That's a really, really wonderful yeah. quote. I, I had never heard that one before from him. But let's also, let's also give Ronnie Brown his due. Oh, he, yeah. He was great. No, no, I don't want to, Josh. I said Ricky. You can have Ronnie. I'll have Ricky. Understand that for me, guys, like the height of my Dolphins fandom is the Wildcat game in New England. Like that's the best experience of (laughs) my entire life as a Dolphins fan. And it involves both of them. So for me, it's really hard to pick one or the other. By the way, greatest achievement ever in the the entire career of Tony Sperano. Yes. I think that will go down as like, his greatest achievement, I yeah, think. And, and, it, it, and it was brilliant. It was a great one. It was a great one. I, I, I sure enjoyed it. I'll tell you that. All right, I'm going to make it because this was tough with, with the Marlins era. There are so many different position players we could have gone with across different eras. The way I'm going to try to do it here is I'm saying Josh Beckett or Dontrell Willis. Josh Beckett or D-Train. Which one was your guy? Josh Beckett, for me, I love D-Train. Absolutely loved him, but... God, watching Josh Beckett mm. pitch was just, I mean, it was spectacular. And mm-hmm. then heartbreaking when he stopped pitching for us and, yes. and started pitching, what was it, for the Yankees, Dave? Red, Red, Red Sox. Sox. No, Red, Red Sox. Sox. Oh, Red no, Sox, I, right. Uh, Josh Beckett was one of my least favorite Marlins to talk to in the history of talking to huh. Marlins. Because he's a big Texas like pitcher guy, and he thought that you had to be surly. So right. like he could have... 11 strikeouts and throw seven scoreless innings. You go, how'd you do? You go, I pitched like horse bleep. You're like, what are you talking about? Although I will say that, I will say that nobody had uh, a pitch like Dontrell. Like that was it's just, that, yeah. it's that wind up like and the left. Dontrell, yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, in my history of watching Marlins baseball, which is the entire history of Marlins right. baseball, the two most electric personalities in the history of Marlins are Dontrell Willis, number one, and Jose, Jose Fernandez, Fernandez, number two. And the hope is, the hope is that Jazz Chisholm is going to be number three. That's yeah. the hope. The irony is I had that exact conversation with D-Train on this podcast as well, which was, hey, it seems like a bit of a pipeline. And I was asking him about Jazz. It was D-Train was the first major young yeah. personality that way. Jose was the next. And now in this era, the hope can be that, that Jazz Chisholm is that way because, goodness, he is he, he's, he's, he's a lot of fun. He's got the goods. He's a lot of fun. Yeah, he's got the goods. Uh, and then last one, and, and David, I mean, you just said you couldn't pick. But Barkov nope. or Huberto? Barkov or Huberto, guys, you got to pick one. I'm putting you on the spot. Pick your guy here. You can each pick one of them if it makes it easier. I'll do, I'll do Barkov just because I know 
<laughs> it's fine i because i'm taking at too in. i i i'm an actually no no i actually um number 15 the other finnish the other player from finland uh um, anton lundell the young one anton lundell yes he is gonna he, be special. anton lundell i call him baby barkov that guy that guy is gonna be something so i'm gonna go with etulo Storinen first then baby barkov then huberto and then, then Markov, then John Van Beesbrook, then Alan Og, then Ronnie Cycli. I'm just naming, then Sherman Douglas. I'm just, just going to keep naming old athletes until Josh interrupts me. Uh, Lang, Lang, I've got one for you. Lawrence Taylor, Lawrence Taylor or Eli Manning? Ooh. Lawrence Taylor is the greatest football player I've ever seen in my history of watching football. He was incredible. He was I, incredible. Love, I love Eli because... Eli's so like underappreciated and he's so like just low key, but he, LT, I mean, the way LT could, there's no defensive player in the history of football who could take over a game the way that Lawrence Taylor could. Yeah, true. Wherever he lined mm. up, you were in trouble. Now he had some personal demons. I, I honestly think, by the way, I honestly think that the same will be said for Donald mm. at the, by the end of Possibly. I mean, I, listen, he's, he's fantastic, but LT was, like, I've yet to see a player dominate like LT. Like, he, just he, he was the first player who decided to strip the football when he sacked the quarterback. That wasn't a thing until LT came around. It was like, oh, wait, you can actually just take the ball from them in lieu of just pulverizing them. You can remove the football. And LT started that, that swat around right. the quarterback. That's LT's move. And every single coach in the NFL teaches that today. And that's. You know, wait, I want Aaron Donald to come up with, you know, the Aaron Donald move other well, than just, you know, knock three guys over up the middle. And he's phenomenal, but he's not LT. It sounds like LT revolutionized defense that way, the way Steph Curry sort of ref- revolutionized offense in the NBA. I mean, really yeah. just sort of changing the game. All right, gentlemen. Well, you have both taken way more time than than uh, I originally asked of you. And I really <laughs> genuinely appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. Josh. I want to say that this is the biggest endorsement I can give. My mother says you're very handsome in Wolf Like Me. Oh, great. Not, that's, what I, that's all I wanted. I, I have not hear. seen it yet, but I did see the Michael J. Fox movie where he wears the red jacket and turns into a werewolf. So I'd imagine yeah. it's sort no, of not, yeah, I'd not imagine it's a reimagining that. of that with love. Yeah, that- no, not so much. Well, if, if there is anything here, Josh, that you would like to plug for everybody to watch, if you want to plug uh, no, Wolf no, Like definitely, Me. Definitely uh, watch uh, Wolf Like Me on Peacock and uh, and make sure to catch uh, your nightly Channel 10 news uh, uh, in South Florida. And, and I will say it because he won't say it. Dave is the best you know, news producer I've, I, I, I've ever seen. He There's a reason that, like, I think Manso dominates the sports landscape in South Florida, and it's because Dave is is at the crux of making it must-see TV locally. So um, love that guy. Love chatting with you. I'm still in my head like I'm going through, like, Xavier Howard, Brian Cox. I'm, I'm playing this game right now. And just just so say thanks, thanks for uh, Thanks for doing that hey, to me. Hey, Josh, you want to plug Central Park? I guess, well, I, you know, the one thing I was interested in actually was, was your relationship with Leslie Odom Jr. Because you guys went to college together, we went to college right? Together. That's yeah, well, unbelievable that, to me. That class was insane. It was me, Leslie Odom, uh, Rory O'Malley, who God, played Carnegie Mellon in Hamilton, Katie Mixon, um, 
Uh, Josh Groban was in my class. We, we had a sick class. That's insane. Yeah. insane. All right. So uh, here's what we're going to do. Next time, we'll get into all of that, huh? Huh? Yes. Closing the deal there. Darn. Next time, we'll I, talk I'm, about all I'm of it. I'm available whenever this guy is. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, you to both. Have thank a great you, one, guys. Thank you, guys. Have a great one. Thanks. All right. Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami Miked Up with me, Jeremy Taché. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places. <laughs>